When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Oh, man. Sean Payton wants all the smoke, and he wants you to know exactly how he feels about the coaching job of the team he just took over for this offseason. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein holding it down on this Thursday night. You can tweet to us. Mike's handle at Mike Rothstein, mine at Courtney R. Cronin. Also hit us up on the phones. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're asking you, fair or foul the comments that have circulated across the NFL today, Mike, what Sean Payton had to say about Nathaniel Hackett and the job he did with his with his like very short coaching tenure as a head coach of the Denver Broncos. There is so much here, but the biggest thing <laughs> is that Sean Payton called last year's Denver Broncos under Nathaniel Hackett's direction, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That is how bad it was. And he was not wrong. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL because I, I don't even know it was the worst coaching job in the history of the, in the last five years because that Urban Meyer tenure in Jacksonville was so atrocious on every single level that you can possibly think of that I, you know if it had been a lesser steely quarterback than Trevor Lawrence as a rookie – that, that might have ruined whoever that, that rookie quarterback was, frankly, in Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, I, it was bad, though. I mean, like, the fact that we're talking about Nathaniel Hackett in the same breath as Urban Meyer, in the same breath as Hugh Jackson in Cleveland, in the same breath as Lou Holtz when he was a coach of the Jets for, like, five seconds, that tells you all you need to know about Nathaniel Hackett. And it, it all starts and ends with the quarterback. And it starts and ends with Russell Wilson and... We'll find out very quickly whether it was a Nathaniel Hackett problem or maybe a Russell Wilson problem. And Nathaniel Hackett, now the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, they caught some strays here from Sean Payton. More on that in a minute. But this was an interview where Sean Payton just unloaded to USA Today's Jared Bell. He went in on the coaching job that Nathaniel Hackett did last year. He didn't leave Russ completely out of it. He said that Russ still has it, but he didn't absolve him of responsibility. He doesn't take this job if he doesn't believe that Russ is a project that he can actually excel at. But... All of the things he was just ripping Nathaniel Hackett for. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. He's like, shoot, they couldn't even get a play in, which of course we remember in the timeout issues that led them to bring on a... I guess you want to call it the clock specialist, the guy from Baltimore who was the <laughs> senior offensive analyst assistant, whatever title they end up giving people to sit in the booth and be like, hey, call a timeout, throw a challenge flag here, so on and so forth. This, make no mistake, though, puts these comments, put a massive target on the back of the Denver Broncos this year and really 
put pressure on Sean Payton that if you're going to dish it out, you've got to be able to take it if Russ isn't fixed, if this team doesn't get off to a better start than they did last year, because everything that he's pointing out here is that they went all in on Russell Wilson. It's the PR, the pomp and circumstance. They made too much of the offseason. We're going to do the exact opposite of that this year. And if that doesn't work out, then everybody's going to be looking at Sean Payton. Oh, by the way, this is the coach who was behind Bounty Gate. So no shortage of the war of words that, that has gone on here throughout his tenure as an NFL head coach. But the blame's going to be on him. People are going to be looking at him sideways if this thing doesn't work out. Yeah, but here's the other thing, too. And this is actually, two, there's two things that I think Sean Payton did that were actually very smart in doing this. One is he bought himself some time because if it doesn't work out, he can just point and say, look at what I took over. Uh, look at what I have to fix here. This is going to be a much larger project than I anticipated, so I'm going to come out and say, hey, I am taking over a, a load of uh, horse poop. Like, uh, that, that, that's, that's what I'm taking over here. Like, that's the first thing. The second thing is I think he's, by doing this, and I know they were talking about this, Randy Scott was talking about this earlier, uh, I think, on, on Candy and Carlin, that – this is very much a message to his team and telling his team, hey, like, this is – I know what you went through, but you got to come follow me now because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's a distraction too. Like, it's brilliant because now we're talking about him versus what's going on on a Broncos team that's in a very difficult division. Yeah, and he's won a Super Bowl before. He probably has more credence to make these sort of comments. But again, they're very harsh words. And the Broncos' former coaching staff were not the only ones who got the brunt of them. The Jets find their way into this mix. This is what Sean Payton had to say about the team that he has nothing to do with. But, you know, he was just trying to tag Nathaniel Hackett on his way out here. He said, quote, it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or an organization gets embarrassed. And that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much blank time trying to win the offseason. And then he basically pointed to, hey, the Jets are doing that. He's like, we're not doing any of that this year. The Jets did that this year. You watch Hard Knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. And what he was talking about was the Aaron Rodgers trade, the off-season acquisitions that make the New New York Jets the darlings of winning the off-season, now they've got to put it together and actually do something in 2023. So those comments were not as harsh, but certainly the war of words from Sean Payton knows no bounds. Robert Sala was asked about this. The Jets head coach, here's what he had to say responding to Sean Payton's spicy comments. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. It is, you know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But as far as, you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. You know, the guys in our locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job, and, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. But really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on, and uh, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every every moment that we have. I've got to say, like, 
he didn't address what Sean Payton said, but he did address it. I'm here for this. This is so good for the NFL because <laughs> you're in a league right now that's got Sean McVay, uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, all of these guys who came up through the same tree and foam at the mouth over how great each other is, and we're never going to say anything bad about each other. Oh, I just love them so much. They're such great play callers. No. Sean Payton, whether you like him, whether you hate him, whether you think Bounty Gate was, you know, the worst thing that happened during the, you know, his tenure with the with the New Orleans Saints, there's a lot to not like about Sean Payton. But the fact that he brought this smoke and gave you honesty in a league that sugarcoats everything is good for content. It's good for discourse throughout, you know, coaches talking about it because they're all saying this behind the scenes. Just get it out there in the open. It's good for the NFL. It's good for the offseason. It, it, it is good for the NFL. It is good for training camp. It is good for the offseason. I'm more appreciative of Robert Sala because he's got his haters going to hate quote. But also, he started talking about crows and suffocating crows. And if you're not aware, a group of crows, Courtney Cronin, is called a murder. Did not like, literally, that. it is called a murder of crows. And Robert Sala essentially was trying to murder crow, murder a murder of crows. By suffocating them. I'm very fascinated by I, I, This is just me and my weirdness, and I accept it. I would then have followed up with a whole bunch of questions about why he's trying to suffocate and murder Chris. But that's just me here. Like, I, I, I'm here for that. I'm here for – I cover a coach in Arthur Smith who drops pop culture references and all these odd asides. Today he questioned if the Pac-12 was still a league when he was talking about two of his players on the Pac-12. I'm here for all that because I want to know where the, where the guy's brain goes, and I want some to ask Robert Sala why he wanted to kill a murder of crows. Yeah, we've got Sean Payton popping off. We've got crows' heads falling off. And you know what? It's July 27th. We're barely into training camp. This one is going to get interesting. Fair or foul? We want to know. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are you buying what Sean Payton's saying? There's some truth to it, but was it the right venue? And was it appropriate might have some disagreement there. We'll take your calls here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, which is, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Straight ahead, a bad day for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins on the injury front. We'll get you updated on the latest with Joe Burrow and Jalen Ramsey. Coming up next, Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We know injuries come during training camp, but when it's the quarterback who's about to reset the market at the position getting hurt a couple days in, not a great sign, not a great piece of news to deliver here on a Thursday evening. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Courtney Cronin, Michael Rothstein, sitting in for Joe and Amber. Talking about Joe Burrow, man, just it sounds like the Cincinnati Bengals are in at least escaping some very serious news that you heard there from Adam Schefter and others. Joe Burrow escaping practice today with what is a cat, what is being called a calf strain. It was a non-contact injury. Most of you have seen the video that's gone through on Twitter right now of him being carted off. It doesn't seem like it's nearly as serious as it could have been, Mike, but still not something that you want your franchise quarterback to be dealing with as he's about to get paid and as you, the Cincinnati Bengals, are trying to make it back to the AFC Championship game and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the process. No, it is not what you want. And whatever anyone says about training camp, right? And this is like the most important thing that you can understand as a fan about the next six weeks. The most important thing is this. The key part of training camp has nothing to do with development, has nothing to do with players and winning starting jobs. It does for individual guys. The most important thing of training camp, Courtney, and you know what I'm about to say, is that in week one, September 8th, 10th, 11th, whenever you're playing, it is this. You are healthy. Because if you are not healthy, you are not going to win. That is the most important thing that will happen over the next six weeks for NFL teams. If you can get out of training camp with your top 30 to 30, 30, 30 to 35 guys healthy, that is a win for you no matter what. It is, and it does feel like this is not nearly as serious as maybe other injuries. Certainly the one we're tracking with Jalen Ramsey, more on that momentarily. But Joe Burrow dealt with an appendectomy last year that cost him the entire preseason. You remember how they started the 2022 campaign. 0-2, he threw four picks in the first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He got sacked, I believe, 11 times in the first two weeks of the season. Whether that, it was certainly not related to the appendectomy, but it was the time that he missed being with the team, and that is very much what's going to happen here because... I don't think he goes back on the field. Most people don't think he goes back onto the field until A, he's healed, and B, he gets paid. We saw Justin Herbert get his five-year, $265.2 million extension with the Chargers earlier this week. Joe Burrow is going to top that when he inevitably becomes the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. It's a matter of when, not if. But when we'll be seeing him back on the field, according to Stefania Bell, has to do with just how bad this calf injury is. You really need to get specifics on the degree of injury when you start talking timetables. And that's something we just can't tell from a distance. But, you know, he definitely felt a pretty good pull there. Um, But these things can range from days, five to seven days for a mild injury, to multiple weeks if it's something more severe. ESPN injury analyst Stefania Bell on Joe Burrow's timetable for return. 
five to seven days would be great. But again, I don't think he makes it onto the field, even if healthy, until he gets that deal. No, it goes to the other question, which is when are the Bengals going to get that deal done? To me, this still becomes a very tricky situation for Cincinnati, but one they need to take care of right away. Yeah. Because if you start messing around with this because Joe Burrow's hurt, it's not like he's torn an ACL. It's not like he's has a rotator cuff injury in his throwing arm or he's got the UCL situation like Brock Hurt Purdy had in San Francisco where you're like, you know what, we need to see him throw. We need to see him move. This is a calf strain. Like, this should bear no bearing on the next decade plus a year of your team. Do not mess around with this. Get the deal done. Show faith in the quarterback that everybody in the greater Cincinnati area believes in because it also sends a message to Jamar Chase. It sends a message to T. Higgins. It sends a message to a whole bunch of other guys on that roster. You get this deal with Burrow done, and then you move on and you figure out Jamar Chase, and you go and you try to make the Super Bowl for the second time, and you know, you just try to get there. Yeah, and it feels like this is going to happen soon. We don't know the timeline yet. Better news in Cincinnati, though, than what we found out today from the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Ramsey going to undergo knee surgery tomorrow. He's expected to miss the start of the regular season. The injury that happened today in practice, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, his ACL is intact. That is the good news. But if he has to undergo surgery, it could be MCL. It could be other ligaments that are affected by this. Their cornerback room still pretty loaded. They've got Xavier Howard. They've got their second round pick, Cam Smith, Keon Cross, and Elijah Campbell. Like The list goes on and on. They have depth, but Jalen Ramsey was who they traded for because they expected and hoped to upgrade their secondary. We'll see when he gets back. Probably we'll know more after the surgery is complete, but certainly a blow to the Dolphins' defense something that they didn't want to have to deal with this early in camp. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. By now, you've heard Sean Payton's comments about how he really feels. The coaching job of Nathaniel Hackett went with the Denver Broncos last year and also about the New York Jets, a team that just happens to be catching strays. So were these comments fair or were they foul? Hit us up on the phones. Let's start out with Jim in North Carolina. Jim, you're on ESPN Radio. What are your thoughts on Sean Payton just unloading on the Denver Broncos, but specifically on Nathaniel Hackett? Well, first, a longtime Bronco fan. I'm uh, in North Carolina now, but I'm going to tell you, I give props to Sean Payton because Nathaniel Hackett was the worst coach that I have ever seen I, I can say it as a fan, but for him to say it, it was terrible what he did last year in Denver. And for him to say it, it's like, you know, I know it's out of, you're not supposed to talk about other coaches and this and that, but it, it's true. I, I've never, if you watched all their games, it was terrible. And I hope for the Jets that they don't, if Nathaniel Hackett lets Aaron Rodgers do to him what uh, uh, Wilson did, they're going to have problems. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, hey, we appreciate the call. And, Mike, I didn't have to watch every game to know how terrible Nathaniel Hackett oh, but was here, as a head coach. But, uh, but here's the thing. Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers have worked together before. They've been successful together before. Sometimes guys are just better coordinators and head yep. coaches. And I think that that's what we get with, with Nathaniel Hackett. Let's not besmirch Hackett's whole career because of this. Yeah. All right, straight ahead. Will Dak cutting down on turnovers be the key to the Cowboys winning their first Super Bowl? We'll talk about that next. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber. Amber, the podcast.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Courtney Cronin, <laughs> Mike Rothstein, kicking it on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. A little 3EB action for your Thursday night. The reason this is playing... <laughs> we go on a lot of tangent. Mike and I have known each other for a long time. We were talking about Sean Payton and Robert Sala's response back to him where he said, I'm not going to comment on it, but something about crows and their heads falling off. And we were trying to find something in our system that would reflect crows. All we had were the counting crows. And I said, I don't really like the counting crows anymore, which Mike said was blasphemous. And then we got on the subject of 90s bands. And here we are, a topic that we don't have time to talk about, which is why right now we've got sound on and sound off, where all the topics that we don't have time to talk about in depth come to you right here with our producer, James Steele. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. All right, guys, there's really, we're going to start here, and there's really not much I can say to set up this out, except to tell you the Reds first baseman, Joey Votto, had an all-timer rant aimed at Mad Dog Russo on the MLB Network yesterday. Here it is. A couple yeah. of months ago, you said that Zach Greinke and I are a hall of very good ball players. I think Zach and I would agree. You may be right, but I get the gist of what's going on here. I know what you're doing. You're looking down on us. A couple small market Midwest ball players. Just because we're not big city, just like you, Mr. New York City, Sirius XM radio star, Mr. National Television, ESPN star, with your Fifth Avenue ties and your crisp pocket squares, your tailored suits and your polished shoes and your hair, your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair. Must be nice to sit atop that Madison Avenue ivory tower looking down on us with those luscious locks. Not everyone can be the next Roger Peckinpah, Mad Dog. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a disgrace. Big pop from Mad Dog with the Roger Peckinpah reference, <laughs> which that. is right, it's right in his, you know, right in his alley there. Uh, so that was Vado on High Heat on the MLB Network. Michael, uh, what's your reaction to Vado's rant there, huh? Uh, I'm almost speechless except to say that round here in the Midwest, Joey Votto is carving out his own name and that – you know, not everybody looks the same in the Midwest. And if you know what I'm doing there, then, you know, you'll know exactly what I was referencing from about five minutes ago. This is incredible. <laughs> Even the dog was laughing at this. And I just, I love watching, I love working with Mad Dog. I love watching him. He is one of a kind. And he is such a performer 
So the fact that he was able to step aside and let Joey Votto assume that performer's role was just incredible. I actually, I, I'm not going to lie. I had to look up who Roger Peckinpah was. <laughs> Apparently played for a team called the Cleveland Naps. Did you know that, James? I, yes, no, sir! I mean, yeah. No, There's I did not know that. I did not know that Roger Peckinpah <laughs> existed. But I'm looking at his face now. He's got a really good jaw. Peckinpah's got a good jaw. Those nineteen twenty ball players. His middle name was Thorpe. Pretty, I'm assuming after Jim. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. What a name. Yeah. Roger Peckinpah. Thorpe Peckinpah. He played for the Yankees, Washington Senators, and White Sox, too. Born in Wooster, Ohio. Died Okay, in I think that's enough about Roger Peckinpah. Okay. All right, let's move on here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Baker Mayfield, first overall pick by the Browns in 2018. Was fine, but jettisoned by Cleveland when they traded for Deshaun Watson. Things didn't quite work out for him in Carolina. He lost out on the starting job to Sam Darnold. Then he was released in the middle of the season. He had a crazy game where he got off a plane like a few hours before leading the Rams to a last-minute game-winning touchdown drive on a Thursday night. And he looked okay in L.A. otherwise, but now he's a Buccaneer, and this is probably his last shot to be a full-time starter. And Baker says he's not worried about anyone who doubts him. I've been off social for almost two years now, so I'm, I'm wired different. I don't need anybody on the outside to tell me what I can and can't do. I know what I'm capable of. Yeah, I mean, I, I got hurt in Cleveland. That's why my my run ended there. And then last year it was, uh, you know, it was what it was in, in Carolina. But everything happens for a reason. So I'm here now and uh, I'm ready to go. All right, Courtney, what's the most likely outcome for Baker and the Bucks this season? Worst, uh, first to worst, because the NFC South is wide open as it is. I don't actually think that it's like the NFC North where you could have like two to three teams chasing for the first place spot in the division. I think it's the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. And then Carolina with their new quarterback and their new coaching staff. And then Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, they're in a rebuilding situation. It's this gap year before they figure out what they're actually doing at quarterback. 5-11 and 11 maybe. I mean, they backed their way into the playoffs last year when they weren't a very good team, and Tom Brady was their quarterback. Mike, it's not going to look any better this year. No, the roster looks good on paper if it was 2019 or 2018, but they're old. They're an old team in a division that is not good as it's a division I cover. I tend to buy into coaching, too, and I'm not sold on Todd Bowles as a head coach. Haven't been since he was with the Jets. Certainly haven't been in Tampa. Uh, This is not going to go well for the Bucs. It's not going to go well for Baker Mayfield. I'll even go as far as this. I don't know if Baker Mayfield ends the season as a starter because at some point they might want to take a look at Kyle Trask because they did invest a draft pick in him, and you need to figure out what you got as a quarterback. If anything, it feels a little bit like the Marcus Mariota situation in Atlanta last year without the obvious potential successor behind him. If it doesn't go well for Baker Mayfield, you could see a plug get pulled early on him. Ooh, is quarterback filming Baker Mayfield this year? Do we know that? Like the way know. that Marcus Mariota went through that last year. Great television if you have if you guys haven't seen it yet. Highly recommend. I really enjoyed it. Uh I don't know why. I, I mean, was in Buenos really Aires. Liked, oh, I wonder why. Really, really She's liked uh, watching that show. Um <laughs> okay, so a lot was made of Dak Prescott's turnover problem last season. He threw a career high and lead league leading 15 picks in 2022. And the Cowboys, as we know, bowed out early in the playoffs again. Earlier today, Dak guaranteed that he would cut down on the turnovers, and his owner slash general manager, Jerry Jones, agreed that that should be one of Dak's main focuses heading into the season. What last year represented relative to turnovers was unexpected. Uh, I expect to 
uh, see what we expect from Dak, which is don't turn the ball over and be protective of the ball, which is what he really, when I think of Dak, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. That's what he does good. Michael, they're expecting to expect that uh, Dak will not turn the ball over as much. Is the key to the Cowboys being a legit Super Bowl contender, Dak cutting down on the turnovers, and will he be able to do that, Michael? Listen, I mean, I hope that I win the lottery tomorrow night and $910 million. That would be lovely, but I don't know. It's not going to happen. And I also don't think that Dak Prescott's going to necessarily cut down on the turnovers enough to make the Cowboys a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They still have the Eagles in their division. They still have the San Francisco 49ers in the conference. Uh, The Cowboys a playoff team? Sure, because the NFC as a whole is meh at best. But uh, I'm just not sold on the Dallas Cowboys as long as Jerry Jones is picking the players. It's just not there. See, I see this differently. Every year that Dak has had the spike in turnovers, and yes, 15 last year in the regular season was an anomaly, but he's had double-digit turnover seasons before. 2017, he threw 13. The next year he come back, comes back and only throws 8. 2019, he throws 11, throws 4, albeit in a truncated season because he got hurt in 2020. But... I don't think it's as much of a trend because Kellen Moore didn't do enough to help him out of a rut last year when he was turning the ball over multiple times in a game. And having Mike McCarthy there, despite whatever you think about his play, like his you know management of the game, clock management, bizarro formations when the game's on the line in a divisional playoff game, whatever, he can simplify things for this quarterback. He can make the quarterback's job easier. And with him taking over play-calling duties, he's going to have to do all those things to help set up Dak for a rebound year. But yes, absolutely. The key for them being successful is Dak not turning the ball over because he did way too much last year. Yeah, here's the thing, though, right? Every team needs to turn the ball over less. This is not like rocket science that what Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott are saying here. Not even close. I'm not sold on Dallas for the simple fact that I don't know if their talent is there. Their offensive line's getting older. Now you got Tony Pollard as the running back. CeeDee Lamb's great, but I just, sorry, just not buying into the Dallas Cowboys, at least as a Super Bowl contender. Just can't get there. All right, last one here real quick. Jim Harbaugh, who has led Michigan to consecutive Big Ten titles and college football playoff appearances, is in discussions about a possible four-game suspension from the NCAA for not cooperating with enforcement staff. The NCAA is investigating Michigan for alleged recruiting violations that occurred during the COVID-19 dead period. Harbaugh was asked about the potential suspension today, and here's what he had to say. Right, so uh, as you probably already know, I mean, I, I can't, not allowed to talk about any aspect of that ongoing situation. I'm with you. I mean, I'd love to lay it all out there. Nothing to be ashamed of, and, but now is not that time, and that's about all there is to say about that. Yeah, so he said a whole bunch of nothing there. So, Courtney, yep. Harbaugh would miss, miss, uh, miss Michigan's games versus East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers if he's suspended for four games. How will a Harbaugh suspension, if and when it happens, impact Michigan's football season? Nothing. Those are, like, games that, frankly, will not be very difficult. I mean, they've got one Big Ten game in there with Rutgers, and we know about Rutgers football. I'm honestly at this point, because the NCAA and their, like, Committee on Infractions and their enforcement policy, Mike, has become such a joke that I just look at these things where, like, oh, recruiting violations, you misled us, you lied about it during the COVID season, you made false statements. Like, who cares? Who cares, honestly? Listen, the NCAA is a toothless, feckless organization. Oh, my goodness. They have been for years. Yes, sir! 
Like, uh, get out of here with this. Like, uh, okay, you you have nothing, like, right now. You're holding on for your money grab if you're the NCAA. And by the way, all those games are at home? Like, in the month of September? No, nah, like, if, those the, if they suspend Harbaugh for those four games, they're going to go 4-0. and Rutgers might keep it close-ish for three quarters. But I, I will say this one thing about Michigan. I did cover them for four years. Michigan always finds a way to be uh, in a game that they shouldn't be in in terms of, like, letting a team hang around. So it would not shock me if one of those teams ended up making it a close game in the fourth quarter. But, it, nah, they'll be 4-0 and at the end of it. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Nothing no. to see here on Joe and Amber, Mike Rothstein, Courtney Cronin sitting in for our friends on this Thursday evening. Straight ahead, the Saints have a new quarterback. Will that be enough to win the NFC South? We're going to talk about that next. ESPN Radio's two-a-days coming your way right here on Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. NFL training camps well underway as we gear up towards the month of August. We got some unfortunate injury news today. From the Miami Dolphins with Jalen Ramsey, he's set to undergo knee surgery tomorrow. And it seems like the Cincinnati Bengals avoided some bigger injury news and got off with a scare. Joe Burrow with a calf injury. Doesn't sound like he'll be back on the field anytime soon with the preseason coming up. But doesn't sound like it is as bad as it could have potentially been. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, time for our two-a-days, the New Orleans Saints. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation two-a-days. Time is here! On ESPN Radio, the New Orleans Saints. 58! Go! This is Catherine Terrell covering the Saints. The focus will be on wide receiver Michael Thomas for the third straight training camp. Ankle and toe injuries have limited Thomas to only 10 regular season games since the 2020 season opener. Getting the 2019 Offensive Player of the Year back to full health would be a huge boost to the Saints. While Thomas hasn't officially practiced yet this year, it's been all positive progress off the field as he and new quarterback Derek Carr have already hit it off. The Saints and second-year head coach Dennis Allen are counting on this tandem to turn their hopes around after they finished 22nd in scoring offense last year and missed the playoffs for the second straight season. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. So we're in the NFC South, and I could hear the disdain almost in Catherine Terrell's voice (laughs) when she's talking about Michael Thomas. 
Michael Rothstein, why is this still a storyline? Like, I, you know, I've been waiting for 2019 now, like we all have, for four seasons. He didn't play in 2021. He comes back last year. There was some weird stuff that was going on with the injury and getting surgery in the offseason, whatever, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know if 2019 version of Michael Thomas exists anymore. Frankly, I think no. that we are so far past that that the fact that we keep bringing it up, wishing for it to happen – indicates that the Saints should have probably already started moving past the idea that it could. Well, yeah, they, they should have a long time ago, but it goes beyond that. They're, they're, they're hanging on a hope, and hope's a terrible strategy, by the way. But that is the strategy that the New Orleans Saints seem to be hanging on with with Michael Thomas because they keep thinking that Michael Thomas is going to be the old version of Michael Thomas. And I'll tell you, there was a brief moment last year where we saw it. Because they played the Falcons in week one. And Michael Thomas made A.J. Terrell look silly. And it was a rough day for A.J. Terrell. He was one of the better young cornerbacks in the NFL. But you saw the old Michael Thomas. But then he got hurt again. Then it became a thing. And that is the issue. That is part of why they drafted Chris Olave. And Chris Olave is their number one now. Let's be honest. Michael Thomas mm-hmm. is not their number one anymore. Chris Olave is their number one. Now, Derek Carr can potentially make... Michael Thomas better because this is the best quarterback he's played with since Drew Brees back probably in 2019. So uh, there's hope. I, I can understand why they're hoping, but there's when you have four years between or three seasons between when you were really good, that generally means you're not going to be that level anymore. It just doesn't really happen for people who are not quarterbacks. No, and I... He's 30 years old. He's dealt with a rash of injuries. I would like to see him get back to the version that had four straight 1,100-yard receiving seasons and when he scored 32 touchdowns in that frame. But, you know, the three seasons after that were just really bad. He played in 10 of 49 potential games. He had the injury to his ankle, which has been recurring, mind you. It's hamstring, it's ankle, it's toe injuries. And... If he is, we know, like from hearing, he's reportedly healthy for the first time in four seasons. That's great. But the alpha on this team, the alpha on this offense is Chris Olave. He had an awesome rookie campaign for a team that wasn't so awesome last year. And I would like to think that with Derek Carr in the fold, we saw what Derek Carr was able to do with Devontae Adams, his good friend from Fresno State that joined him in Vegas for one year before Carr ended up being you know, moved on from and now signing with the New Orleans Saints. I think that Olave is going to continue to develop into a great red zone threat for this offense, for Derek Carr in his own redemption year this year. I I just, I, it feels like they're trying to continue to push this thing through to go after the hope that they had at one point that Michael Thomas could potentially be on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And well, now I, I, you have to look at this and say, realistically, he's probably not getting back to that level. He's not, but it's more than that. They're, they're re-signed. Jimmy Graham. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh, seriously. Man, they're trying, like, they're trying to I make, mean, like, they, 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 yeah. happen again. But it goes beyond that. Like, this team, they're not coached by Sean Payton anymore. But take it one step further. Their defense got gutted in free agency. Mm-hmm. David Omanyata hanging out in Atlanta. Caden Ellis hanging out in Atlanta. They still have Cam Jordan, but they don't have Ryan Nielsen anymore. And he was a big reason why they had some successful pass rush. Just ask Cam Jordan. Like, this is a team that is the shell roster-wise of what they were because they're starting to shed salaries that they've had to do because they've kicked the can down the salary cap road for about, oh, I don't know, eight, nine years, about as long as both of us have been covering the NFL, Courtney. That's how long they've been doing that, and it's starting to pay up for them. This is a team that, to me, 
I think they're third in the NFC South. I think it's Atlanta and Carolina, frankly. But if Derek Carr plays more like he did in Vegas, that changes my opinion. And also if Alvin Kamara returns to form. But I'm not sold on this team in large part because their defense has lost a lot. This team was left in 2000, like left behind in 2019, 2020. Of course, we know they get to the NFC Championship game during the 18 season. They've never been able to get back there. They've never been that version of themselves and holding on to the vision that they had. It felt like they're like four years past that. And again, <laughs> you're right with the salary cap issues that they had. They are the the epitome of a team that kicks the can down the road. And hey, the bill came due, but they're never going to do a full on teardown. I mean, Vegas has their win total at nine and a half, which is technically atop the NFC South, which is really crazy to think about. We know that it's the weakest division in the NFL this year. You can probably put that in the NFC North up against each other. As far as how wide open they are and how much discrepancy there is between the top team on paper in the division and the bottom team. We'll see where the New Orleans Saints finish. I'm with you, though. I think the Falcons are probably ahead of them. They're a better constructed team. The Saints are holding on to something that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but according to Catherine Terrell, Michael Thomas is still a thing down the This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.